Hey there, it's Rachel Ballinger, and I am thrilled to invite you to Rachel Uncensored, my podcast where I get real with my friends and celebrity guests, where we talk about all sorts of topics. From personal stories to hot-button issues, we cover it all. New episodes drop every Wednesday, so make sure you tune in on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss out on the fun and candid conversations we have here on Rachel Uncensored. Hey friends, before we get started, we just wanted to take a second to remind you of where we will each be this Friday, October 21st, 2016. (laughs) I will be in Chicago playing a show at Beat Kitchen, and you can get tickets at BeatKitchen.com. And I will be in New York City at Blue Stockings Bookstore in Lower East Side of Manhattan. You can check it out. Uh, It's an event for Intersex Awareness Day that I'll be speaking at, and BlueStockings.com has all of the information that you need. And that's it. Here we go. Welcome to Buffering the Vampire Slayer, a podcast where we're watching and discussing every episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer one at a time. I'm Jenny Owen-Youngs. And I'm Kristen Russo. And this week we're talking about season one, episode six, The Pack. Stay tuned at the end of this episode and every episode of our podcast for a brand new, all new, original recap song that we write and record for every episode. We Ha-cha-cha. So before we get into it, uh, we want to give a shout out to Lucy on Facebook, who has given us a fantastic suggestion. Lucy wrote to us uh, saying, could you do me a favor and give a very brief recap of which episode you're talking about? I've watched the series a few times, but will not be watching again as you go through. And it would be super helpful to have a quick reminder about what the episode is. The one where the substitute teacher is a praying mantis is the example she gives, which is totally legit. Yeah, this is a totally great idea. And so starting now, episode six, the pack, we're going to start just doing a little a little nudge for those of you who are so familiar with the series that you aren't rewatching with us, but Mm. you know inside and out, you just need a little reminder. So Lucy, this is for you and everybody else who needs it. The pack, uh, as described on IMDb, is the episode where... Xander and several other students are possessed by the spirit of a demonic breed of hyenas that wreak <laughs> havoc at Sunnydale High School. <laughs> there you have it. It's fun. It's, yeah, uh, it's a fun good. read, too. Okay, so that's what you we're getting into here. Yep. All right. Wow. Here we go. Wow. The pack. This episode, everyone. It's really a thing. It's really a thing, and we got to watch it two times. Not one time, but two times within... What, three days, I think, we watched yes, this? Yes, twice within 72 hours. I just want to say, I there's a picture up on Twitter. It's it's a little far past now, but you can go and look and see what my first response was to this episode. Kristen was not pleased. I mean, I just, it, it just is so ridiculous. Like, there's so, I mean, I have a lot to say. Don't get me wrong. But there's just a lot of very ridiculous. The moment in which, like, before we even get to the credits and everybody's eyes turn green... <laughs> That's the moment where I was like, St- what? <laughs> Come on. Uh, yeah, but let's wind it back. Yeah. Let's work up to that, shall yeah. we? Uh, I, just, I just wanted to jump into mm-hmm. the, you know, general mood. So we open on a field trip for high schoolers to the local zoo. <laughs> I can't even suspend my disbelief for that. Yeah, that's like a that's definitely like a fourth grade, fifth grade field trip, right? Absolutely. Yeah. I did it in fourth grade or fifth right, grade. Right. I went to the Bronx Zoo. Mm-hmm. It was great. And that was perfect for when you were, what are you, 10? 10, 11. Yeah. Like, you know. High schoolers are not going to the zoo, I don't think. Unless there's like a specific reason, which definitely there's not. Everyone's just meandering about the zoo, mm-hmm. excited to not be in class, which I get. But also Sunnydale High School, maybe you should think about the education you're giving to your students. Step it up. Um. So... So, okay, so a lot happens at the zoo. I mean, a lot happens at the zoo, but I just mean in this moment, there's a lot going on. One thing that I um, was really fond of is this moment when um, Xander and Willow run up and they're like, Buffy, you missed it. The zebras were mating. Oh, my words. They had, they both had stripes and 
both Willow and Xander are wearing striped shirts. I just, it's, it's like the Heimlich with stripes. It's like the Heimlich with stripes. You know, I didn't quote the line. I'm just saying, like, they were like, this thing happened. Zebras were having sex, and they're both wearing stripes. Like, shout out to the wardrobe designer and so whoever, whoever made those decisions. Nice work. Totally. I love that when we first meet the foursome that we will see throughout the rest of the episode. You mean they, the pack? That's right. They come up to Buffy with a burn... Oh, it's Buffy and all her friends. She's alone. Cordelia just used this burn on Buffy in the last episode. <laughs> but here it is again, just as effective. Also, the uh, Paul Rudd-John Travolta mashup of a person who seems to be the leader of the pack. Yes. I vroom, wanted to let you know. Vroom. Yes. I knew he looked familiar, and it's been bugging me. And our second watch, I looked him up. And realized that he was, are you ready? I'm ready. I told Jenny not to tell me until we were <laughs> recording. Yeah. Who is he? Uh, well, he, of course, is Piper Parabo's love interest <gasps> on Covert Affairs. She's always like oh, sitting on the man. beach holding a bracelet and having flashbacks to when she was dating him before he like disappeared or yes, something. Yes, yes. Wow. So for those of you listening, who many of you probably do not know this about me, but in 2010, 2011, um, I went through a very hardcore Piper Parabo obsession phase where I talked about her all the time I religiously watched covert affairs so in case you're like how does how do they know so much about this (laughs) character in covert affairs it's because of me (laughs) um okay well that makes sense that makes sense but yeah this okay this bullying moment if you want to call it that Mm -hmm. is just so silly it's like first of all it doesn't make any sense to me because Buffy doesn't give a fuck like she never would care about something like this and she starts by not caring but like by the end of their ridiculous bullying once they get once they get to the material of you got kicked out of your school careful she might beat you up those are the lines that hit hard that on hit her, hard which, which doesn't I make get, any i mean the, the kick getting kicked out of school thing i guess there's a little something there because you know joyce is always on her back about getting kicked out of, but like really it just it just was a you know it was a moment that i found a little less than believable i did not think that buffy summers would be affected by this gaggle of morons you know no but i guess even the slow has uh, a teen experience where her, her security levels are in flux. I guess. And, you know, I, I would, I have like a larger theme thing that I think ties in here, mm. which is we talked in episode three, um, which about, I'm so proud of myself that I'm going to start to know all the titles of the episodes. <laughs> You're all going to start to really accept me as a genuine bona fide Buffy fan. Um, but the season or uh, episode three, which we talked about how, you know, because we're in this fantasy space, we can draw these very clear lines and in which it was, you know, how a parent wants to be, you know, just like their child or wants their child just to be like them. And that line was drawn very clearly by like a full on body switch. Mm-hmm. Um, and this episode does something very similarly with this idea of this animal pack um and pack behavior and the high school like high school culture mm-hmm. right that this is what we see in high schools that people are clicked off that it's pretty vicious um and you know this like sort of metaphor is that the right word of like you know packs of animals hunting other packs of animals totally being, preying on the weak preying on the weak exactly very high school very high school were you in high school were you uh strong or weak I was um, I was probably more the Buffy like I mean she's strong but like in the high school hierarchy she's sort of like in this weird middle space where you know she gets along with Cordelia but she hangs out with Willow and Xander she's getting picked on but I, I just don't <laughs> I wanted to say like she's getting picked on by like the popular kids but like who are these people who, who is this pack I don't anyway we don't have any reason to think they're popular. Yeah, I guess they're that's just true. Mean. They're just mean. Um, so I guess I would lean more towards like the weekend if you were looking at the high school structure stereotypically. But mm-hmm. I, I was like Buffy and usually like not giving a fuck, you know, mm-hmm. like I didn't. Um, I don't know. I didn't get I wasn't bothered by like the popular kids like laughing at me or or things of that nature, because I had like a really solid group of friends who I loved. And I was like, these people are ridiculous. Right, right, right. Maybe that's why I got so disappointed in Buffy for feeling sad. <laughs> <laughs> what about you? Strong or weak? Uh, well, I feel like I was uh, hmm, fifty percent like didn't care, fifty mm-hmm. percent care probably like yeah. right down like a little black and white cookie. Yeah. Um, I definitely there were definitely a lot of like uh, jockey 
mouth breathy types <laughs> who would like walk by classes I was in and like cough and insult. Ugh. <laughs> but Lord. also like, um, I wasn't like, wow, I wish they really liked me. There's yeah, and you know, there's something about there's something about all the the slayerettes, to be honest, um, Willow and Xander included, who have this element where they kind of see right through that shit. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like that's like that's how I felt in a lot of moments in high school, where it was just like, are you really like? really like you're gonna cough and yeah. insult that like call what is this a poorly written sitcom you know which is hilarious because i do feel like that is sometimes the reaction that <laughs> willow and xander and buffy have they're like come on yeah and they are in a sitcom well i guess it's not a is this a sitcom no what is a sitcom uh, well a sitcom is like a situational comedy. comedy right so i mean there's there's plenty of laughs but there's a lot of drama. I just was energy. using, yeah, I was using the word sitcom to mean any television show that's 30 With to 60 joke. minutes in length. Oh. Yeah, no, no. I, yeah, I just forgot what it stood for. <laughs> so, <laughs> Credentials revoked. Yeah. So let's move down to the, the hyena house because, wow, that one string of caution tape and the lone flashing orange light and the sign that's just the thing you put up after you've mopped a floor to let people know that it's wet, but instead of... <laughs> Cuidado, piso mojado. It says, uh, "No admittance. Keep out." Right. Very effective deterrent and, ca- I'm sure. and caution tape. Right. There's ca- one one piece one of piece. caution tape that well. he is at chest height. Right. He's very easy to duck under. <laughs> yes, as we see, because um, they all go. I, I did. Um, I did want to give a shout out. You know, we've we've had a lot of issues with the Xander. We're going to continue to have some issues with Xander, mm-hmm. but. You know, Xander has a nice moment here where Xander's like, you know what, guys? I'm going to go take care of this. I'm going to go defend Lance uh, from this pack of mean kids. Very cool of Xander. And he doesn't hesitate. He ducks right under that one flimsy piece of caution <laughs> tape and runs after them. And I, I just want to take a moment because I thought that was, that was you know, prime Xander, good Xander. Very cool of we Xander. We need to highlight the good in addition to the not so good. Also, when he when he trots on down that path, Willow looks very impressed <laughs> she has got a face on her like my hero yes. well i mean this this episode we finally get to actually hear them talk about willow's feelings for xander right because we we've heard her say things kind of like off the cuff things but nobody's ever had a direct conversation about the fact that she has a crush on xander and right we get right. that in this episode right uh, just in the very next scene yeah. after we meet the super intense zookeeper. Yeah. Well, yeah. And before we get to that scene with Willow and Buffy, um, besides this, the zookeeper, listen, we've all seen the episode now, so we all know the, the zoo, zookeeper doesn't wind up being our friend. But I want to say I loved the zookeeper in this first moment. Yeah, yeah. He like I think it's I think also he was like the only adult in the scene apart from Flutie, who mm. who I also kind of love. I, I think that might make people upset with me or something. I don't know. I I just love Flutie's like re- just he I don't know. He's so overblown and I feel like they really go out of their way to make him more likable in this episode yeah right before they kill him right well he's just so enthusiastic and he talks to the kids in this like hey kids yeah kind of a way um which is i think what's set up in contrast to the way the zookeeper talks to willow and buffy in this moment because it's like they're on equal playing ground and he's like listen this is the deal these hyenas are kind of dangerous and here's a crazy spooky story (laughs) (laughs) i really liked him i really liked him in this moment yeah he's great yeah Okay, so we cut to the bronze, and it's DJ Night No Cover, of course. Yeah, well, hold on. Hold on, actually. Because we did mention the moment when everybody's eyeballs turn green, but I just want to take another moment with it. Like, we are in the hyena house, and this thing happens where, the you know, a predatory moment occurs Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. with with bullied Lance, and they all look slowly into the hyena, which, by the way... Oh, my God, that hyena is... Maybe the worst practical effect I've ever Why seen. Why couldn't in my they life. just get a hyena, or just like make a hyena that didn't look like that? <laughs> it looks like a muppet. Like it looks like a total muppet. It's a muppet hyena, and and its eyes turn green, and then of course everybody else's eyes turn green. Mm-hmm, then mm-hmm. Kristen sits on the couch, laughs hysterically, and yeah. says, "What is happening?" Yeah, yeah. Um, but then we see that Xander, right? Xander's mm-hmm. eyes are green. Xander is possessed by the hyena spirit, and. I got to say, I think I like, um, like, Nicholas Bre- Nicholas Brendan. That's mm-hmm, his mm-hmm. name, right? He, his acting. as he's, he, he's great. He's phenomenal. He's phenomenal. His, like, difference between regular Xander and evil Xander 
is spot on. Yeah. I was super into it. Totally. All right, now you can talk about Boots and DJ Night No Cover. Okay. <laughs> DJ Night No Cover at the Bronze. Why does Willow know what Xander's blood pressure is, is my first question. <laughs> Why? Under what circumstance? How? <laughs> um, yikes. Okay, but right. We see Willow and Buffy have this, like, total girl talk moment where they're just like, I have a crush on this boy. I have a cr-. Well, actually, it's more like you have a crush on this boy. Yeah. You have a crush on this boy. Yeah, they call each other out. Unfortunately, time. we don't get to look at Angel in this episode. Ugh, we think what we do for a moment in time. I yeah. mean, I did because it's the first time I've watched this episode. So when... When uh, Buffy was like, Angel? I was like, Angel? Yeah. I was right with her. false alarm, unfortunately. I was right with her. Also, this is just an unfortunate line happens in this conversation where Buffy finally does admit to finding Angel attractive by saying, he's a honey. Oh, Lord. So I wish I didn't have to hear that. I don't like it. That's not what we would hope for. I don't like it. Um, But you did did say that we saw the, like, and as we enter the bronze, we see this scene, right? Like the scene that Kate talked about last episode. Yes, yes. The LeMay pants are there. Mm -hmm. The DJ Night No Cover sign is there. I hope we get to see it again. I hope that it's a few times because it's pretty. Now it's a fun little, what do you call it? it. Um, Easter egg? An Easter egg, yeah. So Xander shows up. He's acting weird. We get the first sniff he does his first sniff oh, of God. Buffy's hair and in, informs her that she has taken a bath which she cannot deny right which he is he's gonna forgive her for taking a bath by the way yeah yeah things get pretty creepy pretty fast here and then the the, the moment the pack enters too is like hilarious to oh, me yeah, it's like contact. silence for like 10 seconds and everybody just sits and looks at everybody else yeah yeah everybody feels weird um yeah and then and then I don't know. Then some stuff happens. We have uh, the training session happening. Right, right. Right. I know that. Giles is winded. Giles is very tired by the training session, which you exclaimed during our watching, like just in the library, just in plain day. Just during school hours. (laughs) Fine. Fine. Nobody goes in the library. Then we we go to to pig cam. Yes. Oh, I love the pig cam. And we meet Herbert. Oh, RIP. Rest in power, Herbert. We hardly knew ye. What a sad thing. I mean, we'll get there. We'll get there. For now, we'll just appreciate Harper. Very cute. Yeah, he's right. But see, they got a pig. Why couldn't they get a hyena? You know what I'm Great saying? Great point. Well, like, pigs are probably a little easier to manage than hyenas. I guess. <laughs> um, the, my next like big moment here is, oh, my God, it rains in Sunnydale. That, so right. I don't want to skip anything that you have to say, but there's this scene with the, this lightning bolt. And the gym coach is like, well, it's raining, so everything else is canceled. We must play dodgeball. Yeah. First of all, I don't buy the rain because they're in Southern, Cal- Southern California. I know, but it will. It happens every once in a while. I guess. The gym teacher just loves dodgeball. Oh, my God. I love the gym. I love the gym he's teacher. He's so into it. He's, and he's so into his whistle. He's watching. So there's so many cuts to him while they're playing. Yes. It's and so he also, funny. he has a great line where he tells them they're playing dodgeball or whatever. And he says something along the lines of like, you know how it works. You dodge. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah I wrote down you dodge because yeah. I love it. Yeah. I love it. So. A couple important things that we get out of the scene. First, uh, the first to me is that we see Xander spike Willow, right? Which <laughs> nice instantly... choice of uh, t- words there, Jenny. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Which de- definitely gets our sort of collective hackles up because we don't ever like to see Willow get hurt. Yeah, yeah. And, and yeah. this is a rough episode for that. Um, so that's like very telling that like this change is like really happening, taking hold. And then the like when when it's down to just Buffy on one side of the line and the pack and Lance on the other side of the line and they all like look at Buffy recognize that she is strong mm-hmm. realize that they have a very weak party on their line and all spike Lance together yeah kind of brutal kind of ridiculous kind of brutal it is pretty brutal and then cut back to the gym teacher <laughs> who says I love this game or right god this game is brutal yes I love it yes <laughs> um also one other thing about the dodgeball scene I love so much in film and tv when in gym class the students have like their school call like it's like they have specific clothes they have to buy for a gym that you could like get at the school store that are like the school colors and there's all these variations but everybody is like 
uh, maroon and gold, right? Mm-hmm. Like tank tops, t-shirts, ringer tees, totally. whatever. I wanted that so bad when I was in high school. That that would have made gym class, I think, uh, feel worthwhile. I had to I, me. when I was in elementary school. I went to Catholic school in elementary school, like up through sixth grade. So of course, you know, we we had uniforms for everything, but we did have uniforms for gym. So everybody Ooh. was in. It was we were blue and gray, I think. Oh, me too. Um, yeah. So those were your school colors, blue yeah, and gray. Blue and gray. Mm-hmm. Oh, nice. Wow, I'm still learning things about you, even to this day. Oh, so sweet. Um, I just want to step back really quick. Yeah. And talk about when Flutie is uh, walk. Flutie and uh, Buffy are walking Herbert back to Herbert's room, mm-hmm. and he has this great little monologue where he's saying, like, when I was your age, uh, we like cared so much about school spirit, and we were really into like our football team and their scores, and you know, school school rivalry yes. and and that like camaraderie and stuff. And then he says, but also when I was your age, I was surrounded by people my age telling me how much better it was when they were my age. Ugh. And that is like so beautiful. I, I love that moment so much. And it really, really cements Flutie, I think. He's been an antagonist to Buffy the whole time we've known him up to this point. And this episode just makes him so much sweeter. Yeah, and they and their relationship is very different too in this episode because like he says that to her. I mean, he's he's like opening up to her, not just to anybody. Mm-hmm. And she's like, you know, they have a moment. She's she's hearing him as much as she can as a high school student hear her principal talking about, you know, his inner workings. Uh, but it's a really sweet moment. And he yeah. loves Herbert. This is such a sad, Ugh. like, I hate this arc. And speaking of sad things, actually, my next my next note is about Xander and Willow, because this happens This is the moment that happens right after that, which is that Xander just rips Willow apart in the hallway in this moment. Um, He sets her up like it's not he's not even just me. I mean, he is just mean, but like he sets her up for this expectation of he's going to tell her how he feels about her. And it's different than he feels about anybody else. Right, right. And then everything comes crashing down when he says he won't have to look at her pasty face anymore. Now, like, I appreciate the artfulness of architecting that setup, you right, know? Right, right. Making her think one thing is coming and then another thing ends up coming. But pasty face? Like, are hyenas bad at insults? Is that what <laughs> we're meant to understand here? I don't know. It worked on me. I mean, it wasn't right. It wasn't like the it's most... It's pretty bland, I think. I guess, but Willow. I know. Her tiny face, it just crumples. I hate this. I hate it. I'm one of the humans, one of the many humans who can't stand to see Willow crumble. And she does. I mean, we see her later cry, like crying with Buffy um, when they're talking, you know, when they're talking about how Xander is being horrible. Mm-hmm. It's just it's so sad. But I think before we get before we get to them talking, we get to a very special scene. Oh, boy. Don't we? We sure do. Well, so we're outside, and at the picnic tables uh, are many Sunnydale students as the pack approaches because they smell... Hot dogs. Hot dogs. And we, we meander with the pack over to the table they've chosen to pick on, whereupon they steal a hot dog from a character named... Adam. Adam. Played by who, Jenny? Played by... Your friend and mine, Mr. Stephen Smith. Yes, his second time in the in the Buffy series. You may remember him from uh, episode two, The Harvest, mm-hmm. uh, where he's in the computer lab with Cordelia and Harmony. Yes, he pops up from behind a computer screen ever so gracefully. <laughs> um, and now we're, we're seeing him again. Uh, he has a few lines this time. And we are lucky enough to have Stephen as a guest on today's show. Yeah, we were so excited to talk to him a little bit about his experience with the show. The first story we want to share with you from Steven is how he became a part of Buffy the Vampire Slayer to begin with. We are so excited to be talking to you, Steven Smith, pillar of the rock and roll community, (laughs) uh, general dreamboat, and much to my delight when I first learned this fact, actor in season one of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. You're very, you're very kind and very generous <laughs> with a lot of those descriptions of me. Um, it's very even the term actor. That's very kind and generous. <laughs> if, you, if you saw that, but yes, a thousand years ago, did 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 Buffy the Vampire Slayer? How did this happen? How did you? What was the audition process? How did you come to the show? Tell us. Yeah, well, it did back in the day. Um, pre-interwebs um, they still do it this way but you know an agent gets a breakdown and it'll say we need white dudes uh, mm-hmm. 
Mm. Very so rare. rare yeah. to see Back a in the 90s. Um, it's, it's, I mean, it's nice that they're trying to help us out. I mean, yeah, we, yeah, yeah. As, as a white male, I'm kind of sick and tired of people just kind of, well, the man, really. And by the yeah, man, yeah. I mean everyone, not me. <laughs> I, I auditioned for the part that Eric Balfour played in oh. The Harvest. Jesse. Yes. You auditioned for the part of Jesse? Auditioned for Jesse. And he I got wish Jesse. that you had been Jesse. Well, he's he's I've met him before. He's done a lot of stuff. He's a good actor. Like he's he's like I you meet him and you're like, oh, oh tall and tan. That's what you wanted. I got it. You know? <laughs> Sunnydale, that makes sense. You don't want pasty and long hair at the time. <laughs> and my hair was like in three different colors and chunky and all kinds of just buckets of bad. So <laughs> I went in and I'll, I want the callback was going in to meet with Joss and, uh, he had a piano in his office Really, and he, uh, was just playing away doing something. And I was like, that's kind of cool. He's kind of a musical guy. What? Never thought about that again until Dr. Horrible. Right. So when that came out, I was like the hell, oh, of course, duh. Yeah. <laughs> musical guy this is great this is perfect so he um uh met with him very briefly and it was like nice to meet you whatever and um i didn't get the part of jesse but they wanted me to end up playing one of xander's friends who would come mm -hmm. back every once in a while the fact that when you walked into joss's office he was playing the piano right really something it's really something it's just like a very like I, it's very like i can picture it in my mind you know where like normally there'd be like a dude in an office like stirring a cocktail or you know right, doing right. but i love or that like he typing was, furiously right right and i love that he was like oh um, excuse me i was just <laughs> i was just playing some playing piano, some piano. tickling the old ivories yeah oh my we also knew a fun fact about Steven's role in episode two, The Harvest, where he appears in the computer lab with Harmony, Willow, and Cordelia. In episode two of our podcast, I do an impression of you in that scene. Um, <laughs> and what's really peculiar do it. is that you don't sound like yourself. And there's like, like you, you're like, you know, you're like, what? Yeah. <laughs> but your voice is like lower than I can make my voice. You know what I mean? Um, and like, what's up with that? Uh, I guess the reason is after watching, well, how awesome charisma and I were in that scene, yes. they decided, <laughs> you know what? He sounds terrible. Let's overdub <laughs> his voice with someone who's not him. First of all, what? I can't imagine you being terrible. Second of all, it's, it's just such a it's like the surfiest stoneriest like i'm sure you sounded plenty stone i know stoned. that's my thing is like how different could it have been like here's the, the funny part when we when we were doing that scene they i said do you want it like a surfer guy and the director said no not at all we don't want that just be you oh don't be the surfer so when the episode came out <laughs> i guess they were like uh we didn't do the surfer <laughs> thing so <laughs> So, and this is a kind of a common practice, uh, rather than pay me another rate to come back in and loop my voice as a surfer, oh. I, I've seen it happen. They probably, the sound engineer probably was like, I'll do it. <laughs> <laughs> One last story we loved from Steven was his telling of an experience he had at a Comic-Con a few years back involving the hot dogs we see in this scene in the pack. Uh, I ended up at MTV a few years later and while I was at MTV, uh, I worked for a website called MTV geek, which was outside of the rock show. The most fun I've ever had most, the best job I've ever had. Mm. We would go to nothing but comic book conventions and we would do live stream shows like this oh, and wow. just talk to everybody had a, you know, fairly decent production value for that. But, um, there was just a revolving door of people coming in. So one year they said, um, Xander's coming. And I went, here's what we're going to do. Oh my God. <laughs> we're not going to tell him. And we're going to roll the footage of him throwing the hot dogs at me and see if he remembers. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. And it was all set up and he was coming in. And when you when you have um, when you have so many when you have the conventions, the conventions assigns like not really a handler, but just kind of a helper which can be someone in PR or it can be someone who's just a fan walking you around. So we showed up and I said, and I 
reintroduced myself, didn't say anything. And I said, hey, man, we're going to show this real clip. And he went, oh, of me throwing hot dogs at you? <laughs> and I immediately looked over at this poor young lady and I went, you told, didn't you? And she went, <laughs> she, like, oh she cowered, cowered and dropped oh her head. God. I went, you screwed up. That would have been uh, funny. You blew it. Uh, man, I'm so sad that that didn't happen. Didn't I'm mad at that girl. Yes. <laughs> Retroactively. This has been a joy. Seriously. You are the best. You, are, you guys are the best. Congratulations. Continued success with the rest of it. Jenny, I just okay. noticed you're wearing a Fahrenheit 451 shirt. That's amazing. Thank you so much. Kristen got this for me for my 30th birthday. Like oh, really? I didn't remember ago. that it was for your 30th birthday. Um, I love Fahrenheit. I love Ray Bradbury. Oh, Ray Bradbury is so great. If they give you ruled paper, write the other way. Dude, you don't know how many fucking notebooks from high school I have that I like wrote that vertically. <laughs> oh, yeah. Help. Oh, wow. That's very special. I love and then, you. My other favorite line is uh, they talk about all the books and then it says, uh, and somehow the comic book survived. Oh, my God. That was the other, my, my other favorite line of Fahrenheit 451. I was God. like, yes, of course. <laughs> yeah. of course the comic book survived it is the ultimate art form <laughs> you make the pictures do what you want you read and tell the story you can go backwards it's up to you oh my god <laughs> oh my gosh well wow. steven can you can you tell the, the good people here uh, where where they can find you and find more of your wonderful self yeah um the short answer is nowhere um, nice, nice. I have, I have, I have uh, uh, graduated from working steadily to being a full-time stay-at-home dad. Nice. Oh, that's so oh, cool. So, so yeah. So the one place you can you can semi-consistently find me is um, uh, the podcast Going Off Track. Which, Hell yes! Uh, which Jenny Owen Youngs has been on multiple times. Um, oh, wow. No and, big deal. And is a, as far as I'm concerned, like a permanent guest host. Like anytime you want to come back on, you can. Kristen, that, that invite is now open to you as well. <gasps> wow! Um, this marriage is really, really helping me out in the world. Yeah, not, not only do you get half her shit and put her on insurance, but now you get to be part of a podcast. Yes! <laughs> the box is checked. Um, well thank you very much so going off track goingofftrack.com you can check that out and um i do tend to mouth off on the twitter at stephen smith says which you can go and listen to my incessant ramblings which yes. have taken a a, a thankfully non-political bent of late um well stephen thank you again so much for yeah, taking the time you. out to be here with us this is so exciting so great got to learn about you got to learn about buffy got, got to, to learn about joss's office piano right isn't that cool so great. that was so cool I never so forgot cool. that thank Wonderful. you guys congrats on everything uh, make some t-shirts and please sell them yes <laughs> yes we're show. on it we're all over it okay, mm -hmm. good that's happening radical alright okay thanks Steven so that's just an excerpt of our conversation with Steven who was generous enough to spend some time talking to us about his experiences on the show if you want to hear our entire conversation you can go over to soundcloud.com slash Buffering the Vampire Slayer, where we'll be posting the whole interview. Yes, and there's some really fun stories in there uh, that we didn't include here. So I would I would head on over if I were you. Do be warned, and we'll say this at the start of the SoundCloud um, episode, that there are some spoilers. There there's are spoilers. a couple of small spoilers for those of you who are journeying with us. You might need to wait to visit that yes. episode until we're done. <laughs> Today's episode is brought to you by Regal Cinemas. If you're anything like me, you deeply enjoy going to the movies. Going to the movies is probably among my top three all-time activities. I love seeing films on the big screen. I also love being around other people who are watching the same movie with me at the same time. And of course, I love eating giant buckets of popcorn. If you feel the same and you like going to the theater, Regal Unlimited is something that just makes sense. Regal Unlimited is the all-you-can-watch movie subscription pass. It pays for itself in two movie visits. You can see any standard 2D movie anytime, no blackout dates, no restrictions. When you want to watch a movie in 4DX or IMAX or RPX or ScreenX, there's so many ways to watch movies these days, your Regal Unlimited membership gets you into those premium experiences at a reduced cost. And with Regal Unlimited, you don't only save money on the tickets, you will also save on your snacks. And as previously mentioned, I love snacks. 
The only thing that can make me love a snack more is saving money on buying a snack. Members get 10% off of all non-alcoholic concession items with membership. Regal Unlimited, all-you-can-watch movie subscription pass. It pays for itself in two visits. So if you're planning to see two movies this month, join Regal Unlimited and sign up now. You can sign up in the Regal app or on regmovies.com slash unlimited. Sign up for Regal Unlimited using code buffering and earn 10% off your three-month subscription. Please let us know about all of the movies you see and how the popcorn is. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts. Um, okay, so let's talk about Herbert, shall we? Herbert. Oh, this is just my – I have a couple of, like, n- confusing moments here. First of all, they stay so clean. Right, so so they they don't eat the hot dogs. They hate the hot dogs. They go and they eat Herbert. There's no blood anywhere. There's no. There's one moment when one of them wipes the side of his mouth. <laughs> there's nothing on it, but he wipes it. But other than that, I was like, damn. And like later, we see the bones of the pig. Let me tell you something. That bone that Buffy steps on, yeah. is too big to have been inside <gasps> of that pig. Oh, I'm sorry. No, I'm impressed. I know it has to be a certain size to be like sort of recognizable as a bone or whatever. One of the one of the many reasons that I married you, Jenny, yes. is that you would notice something like that. I think it's fantastic. I, yeah, I guess pig bones are small, huh? I mean, that pig was tiny. Yeah, that was a tiny little piglet. Okay, so yeah, that another, bone was like half the length of that pig's body. Another, <laughs> another inconsistency. Um, but it's something else here is that so you know, Flutie comes out. Principal Flutie comes out. He sees the pack. Um, minus Xander, just the four of them sitting at the table. And mm-hmm. he's like, I've had it in for you. And I know you did this yeah. detention forever. And <laughs> I'm like, my question here is they ate a live pig. Is they detention get detention. <laughs> the answer? <laughs> like, I feel like we're obviously dealing with something that probably, uh, yet again, could stand the use of law enforcement or yeah. m- at least a counselor of mental That's health. involved. Something's going on with these children that they have eaten a live piglet, Flutie. I don't think detention is the answer. That ain't right. And we find out that detention surely isn't the answer. <laughs> this is the way, this is like a really hard scene. I mean, this you know, yeah. I started by talking about like, oh, this episode is so ridiculous. But it, even though that this is one of the most ridiculous episodes, I think of the series, if everybody informs me correctly, um, there's still these moments that are like, fuck, like they j- legit just jump on top of Flutie and they eat him. Yeah, the blonde guy, hyenas mm-hmm. leap. That like sort of yeah. really sets the real attack off. It's yeah, like, pretty great looking. Yeah, great looking leap. Also, the way that the brunette girl like oh. stares at him with wide eyes. Yeah, and is like, she, I'm sorry. She does a good. She does a good <laughs> job of terrifying me. But neither of them are your favorite hyena. No, my favorite hyena is the is the girl hyena with blonde like shaggy hair. You love her. I love her. I love her. her like her makeup is done like better than any of the other hyenas mm. in my opinion. Like her eyes are like red underneath and her haircut is just on point. Um, I love her. I I like I loved her the first viewing and the second viewing I like watched for her. She's my favorite hyena now, you know. Um, but yeah, so so Flutie and then there's also, you know, in this scene like he's got like the scratch on his face. So it's it's like very real and very oh, sad and the pan the pan out of the attack down to the picture of smiling Flutie. Oh my god, he just has a picture of himself <laughs> so... facing out on his desk. <laughs> what? <laughs> It's 
so good. Yeah, it's really good. Uh, so this is so this moment is happening, which I think is a very rough moment. Mm. At the same time as an incredibly rough moment, but first. We're in the library. Giles and Buffy are talking, right? And and Buffy is saying like, "I think something's up." Um, this is before before the, this is before the pig even dies. Um, I think something's up, Giles. Xander's acting weird. He's being really mean. He was mean to Willow. Something seems like it's up. And Giles, <laughs> go ahead, Jenny. I see that you have things to say. I mean, Giles is like, "Oh, it's devastating. He's turned into a sixteen-year-old boy. Of course, <sighs> you'll have to kill him." Right. <laughs> Anthony Stewart had just crushing the delivery here. It's so good. <laughs> yeah, he's really good at the um, sassy, sassy comments. And like, I love, is this the first time we've seen Buffy say something's going on here? And Giles not, doesn't like, not right? believe Usually her. Yeah. Giles is leading the charge, right? But Buffy is saying something's going on here. Giles doesn't believe anything that he doesn't have circled in red Sharpie in one of his death papers. In one of his death papers. He doesn't have a death paper yet. He yes. will tomorrow. Yes. For Flutie, um, maybe Herbert. Yeah. But um, but yeah, so in his comment here, right, he says, it's testosterone. Boys can be cruel. I hung my head in this moment because <sighs> I believe that Giles is better than this than to say these horrible things about mm. how it's just the testosterone. But I mean, he's essentially giving the boys will be boys speech here, right. which was very upsetting to me. Because um, the patriarchy. There it is. There it is. And it's just rearing its ugly head in this moment. <laughs> but luckily, um, right right as Giles is like, meh, meh, meh about testosterone, in comes, is it Willow? Yes. Yeah, in comes Willow to say like, hey, by they the- They found Herbert, which nobody knew Herbert was missing. Thank, mm-hmm. thank you, Willow. <laughs> but he was eaten. He was eaten. And then Buffy has a great moment where she looks at Giles and she says, so it was the testosterone, huh? Or whatever, <laughs> you know? Ha-ha. Ha-ha. Like, ha-ha, man. Haha, I can't say it again. Only one time per episode. Just the once. Just the once. But you know what I'm thinking. Um, <laughs> but I, I, I think that this moment is like, I mean, I'm laughing and it's like a funny moment. But then, you know, as Flutie, as we have the scene with Flutie being eaten by the pack, by the four members of the pack, we have this other scene happening with Xander and Buffy mm. right in the room where Herbert had been kept. Actually, it's the scene where you're um, very upset about the bone choice right, for the right. pig. Um, that's that's really upsetting. Um, where obviously it has this like safety on it because Xander is possessed by a hyena. Xander is an animal, but this is a very like very violent scene. Buffy actually refers to it as a sexual assault in the in the scene that uh, follows it, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. where Xander is saying, I mean. You know, Xander is saying these like lines that we hear again and again. Is this what you want? We both know what you want. And then he has this horrible line. The more I scare you, the better you smell. Which is, you know, and, and the thing, the only reason, I mean, this scene is upsetting. It's troublesome. Buffy throws a desk at him. But the reason that I like want to pay special attention to this scene is because the way the episode ends, right? Because I want to take this full arc Mm -hmm. with this moment is really bizarre because Xander is back to being Xander and Giles comes around the corner. You know, Xander pretends he doesn't remember anything that happened. And it's kind of talked about at the end of the episode, like Buffy and Willow are like laughing about it. And Giles is like, your secret's safe with me. And I know in that moment what they're talking about is that like Xander has a crush on Buffy and he let it slip. Right, right. But it's just like really totally brushed over that this thing happened that was messed up. And if Xander remembers it, you'd want Xander to at least acknowledge it and apologize for it. Giles doesn't even know about it. So I don't know what Giles is talking about at the end Giles of this episode. Giles is just there for us to have a laugh, to allow us to have that laugh. To allow us to Xander. have that laugh. And like, I, you know, and I don't, I don't want to like stick in this too hard and not allow us to have like the larger piece of the episode. But this is like a real thing. And the decision was made and, and consciously made because we hear again Buffy in this next scene say like, oh, yeah, Xander, you know, and she makes a joke of it, too. Like right. Xander doesn't want to. She say? Tried, tried his hand at felony sexual assault. Felony right? sexual. Yeah, but she says but she says like, yeah, he doesn't like Yanni or uh, his idea of let's let's just say his animalistic idea of wooing doesn't involve a Yanni CD and a bottle of Chianti sidebar. Whose idea of wooing involves a Yanni CD 
and a bottle of Chianti. Oh, maybe I love Joyce. It. Maybe Joyce Summers. Maybe, maybe that's where Buffy is getting this reference. Oh man, I love Buffy's quips. They're so good. They're oh, she's she's the best. But yeah, I mean, I I think that like you know the question that I'm left with. Well, there's two parts of this, right? One is that I want to obviously call it out. I mean, I think we have to acknowledge that it's happened and think about the way that it was handled. Mm-hmm. And then and and then I think like the question is, you know, is this is this positioned the way that it's positioned in this episode because it's saying, you know, like this is so messed up. Like the fact that this happens, that people do these things to other people is so messed up because this is something that is like on an animalistic level, Mm -hmm. um, which I think would be like a positive viewing of this. Mm -hmm. Or is it troubling because this happens and then like later isn't addressed? Or is it both because Buffy is a complicated (laughs) universe? Ah, Yeah. Maybe we should, where can we go to uh, lift the mood a bit, Jenny? Yeah, let's bring it up a little. Uh, You all might remember from last week our dear friend, Kate Leth, who joined us for Never Kill a Boy on the First Date. Well, big news. Kate is joining us on this episode and future episodes with installments of Buffy Fashion Watch. So let's see what her keen eye has (laughs) observed about this episode. I really hope it includes a neckerchief. It's time for our friend Kate. Welcome, everybody, to the first installment of Buffy Fashion Watch. Um, I am so excited to be here and doing this, although it is kind of hilarious to me that we're opening with The Pack, as it's one of the only episodes that has no Cordelia, and oh my god, is her absence felt here. Um... This whole episode centers around this group of characters who are supposed to be really dangerous and sexy and cool, and yet every single thing they wear is so astonishingly forgettable. <laughs> it's like Old Navy clearance rack. It's it's Target bargain bin. It, everything is jeans, t-shirts, collared shirts, cardigan. There's There's nothing to it except the one girl with the short hair, which, I mean, hey... Um, outside of that, Buffy's opening look here is pretty good. She does have on the green dress from Never Kill a Boy on the First Date. I- I'm not 100% sure that it's the same one, but it really looks like it. Underneath a thick camel coat, which might be corduroy. I'm, I'm not I'm not totally positive on that one. But she has paired it with a patterned green neckerchief and a green camo print messenger bag. And of course... Her stylish yet affordable knee-high brown leather boots, which come back later in the bronze when she's talking to Willow, who points out that she's wearing Angel's jacket. And Buffy says, well, it goes with the shoes. And it's like, Buffy, you have one pair of shoes. (laughs) Another thing that I do want to say very quickly is that when Xander sort of transforms, um, Buffy and Giles are talking about how he's different lately you know he's dressing really different and like is he the only difference to me is that his hair is slightly down and his collared shirts over his t-shirts are dark brown instead of like green it's it's really funny to me xander trying to be suave and sexy in this is is so great um so i mean come back next week where cordelia will have returned and saved us all i'm so excited to talk about her for so many episodes in the future and until then see you at the mall that was our friend kate she gave you the buffy fashion update Wow. Thank you so much, Kate, for that very relevant and topical discussion <laughs> of important stuff. Oh, we cannot wait to hear from you on so many future episodes. There is so much fashion to dissect. Uh, and you know what, Kate? We will see you at the mall. Mm-hmm. I'll be at Things Remembered. <laughs> it's your favorite. It's your favorite store to reference. I love engravables. <laughs> Did you hear that, everyone? Oh, stay tuned for our mailbag episode next week where we let you know what our P.O. box is. You can send Jenny <laughs> all of the engraved things that she's ever wanted. Oh, dear God. Um, all right. So once Xander is successfully locked up in the library cage, mm-hmm. which is seeing its first 
prisoner. Yeah, that's not the last time we'll see that library cage. Although they'll have to rebuild it, I guess. Cause yeah, it was they're t- always rebuilding that thing. <laughs> Why is there a cage in the library? Regardless. You know what it looks like? Because there's a slot in it that looks like it's for like book returns. Oh. So I, I don't know if it's supposed to be like where the where the special books are kept. So they don't mm. want them. It's very weird, but continue. So uh, Giles comes in and lets them know that he breaks the news that Principal Flutie has been devoured. And right. I feel like uh, Anthony Stewart Head is just like doing such an amazing job in this scene. Like he's so yeah distressed in such a a cool sort of like he's kind, he kind of looks like he's dissociating a little bit. Mm-hmm. And I think he just does like a really great job. Yeah, that's and that's the thing with this episode, which is what I was saying about these moments, is that even though some of the surrounding uh, information is packaged a little bit sillily, um, this moment when he comes in is like. Like he, it is very apparent that like a human being has died, Mm -hmm. a human being who they all know has died in a really, really graphic and horrible way. Um, And you're right, he. I mean, I felt all those feelings, Mm -hmm. and even then, Buffy and Willow, Willow like sits down. You know, it's like they have a moment. Um, and then, so then they, then, right. So they, they leave Willow. Willow's like, I'm going to stay with Xander. And something that I really enjoyed about Willow's time in the library with Xander is how much hyena footage she has found on the internet. I literally wrote down the same thing. It's like every time you cut back to Willow, (laughs) she's there for who knows how long. She's just watching hyenas eat stuff. I know. Like, what is she? And it never, like, there's not like a scene later where Willow is like, oh, well, this is what they do. And like, I solved the the case by all this footage. It's just, what what are you doing? I mean, I guess she's just, maybe she's just trying to understand Xander, you know? Like maybe maybe oh, but I I just love like where is she on hyenas dot com yeah you know? right where where is she finding YouTube cam. YouTube doesn't even exist yet yeah <laughs> um I love when the other four members of the pack show up and they're sort of their faces are up in the high window and they're saying Willow yes Willow and and that's sort of like calling back to the way that the um the zookeeper explains the mythology that they're referencing in this episode, which I didn't find. I did it just a cursory Googling and didn't find anything about this particular strain of hyena mythology. Although I would highly suggest you all check out the folklore section of the hyena article on Wikipedia, because (laughs) there seems to be a lot of hyena folklore that's greatly varied uh, from all over the world. It's really interesting, but I didn't find anything about this particular thing, but I like this story i like this myth the idea that hyenas follow you around during the day learn your name and then call it at night and then we see them do this yeah it's really beautiful great effect yeah and i think so i wrote down um like just a couple words that were used when we first hear about primals and what their philosophy is if you will Mm. you know because i i find it really interesting right they're their philosophy is that humanity and consciousness is a, this very unpure thing, that our consciousness as human beings takes us away from the state that we were meant to be at, and they want to get back to that pure state, that pure primal state, which, you know, I mean, certainly I wouldn't sit here and condone eating Principal Flutie, but I do think that there's something very interesting about that, right? It's not this, like, it's an argument that I think has some, like, a line to it that I can follow, I guess, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, yeah, I think it's super interesting. And actually, uh, it just reminded me of something that we can't talk about yet because it's a spoiler. (laughs) (laughs) But I'm going to try really hard to remember to reference back to this episode when we get there. Okay, maybe everyone will help you, everyone who just knows what you were talking about. Mm -hmm. Um, I have something uh, on equal importance level to most of the things we've talked about in this episode, um, which is where in the hell is Cordelia? Where's Cordelia? Where is Cordelia? And Where is why she? why is she not involved in this episode? Did she need a day off? Like what's going on here? I'm not thrilled about it. Kate She's still was in the credits. Kate was not thrilled about it. We're all suffering from a very big Cordelia lack. And I am putting in a formal request that we do not exclude Cordelia from this episode of our podcast. Jenny, will you please play the Cordelia song in honor of our missing Cordelia? Hit it. Oh, 
oh, that song. That I just song. want to listen to it all the time. Do you know? If my, only there was a way. If only there was a way. There is a way because on iTunes you can purchase the Cordelia ringtone for yourself. And I want to tell you, Mom, I'm super sorry. I have not answered your calls for the last two days, partially because I've been very busy. I will call you back, but also because every time you call me, I get to listen to the Cordelia song, <laughs> and it's awesome. <laughs> Anyhow, um, we're we're rounding the bend towards the end of this mm. to the end of this episode. But there's a moment here that is kind of inconsequential in the grand scheme of things, but that I love so much. And it is this moment where the pack is like they they need somebody weak, so they get up and they're looking for a weak person. And lo and behold, this couple and their child is leaving a party, <laughs> and like whatever with them wanting to eat the child, blah blah blah. What I care about is the line that the husband is saying to the oh wife, and they leave. I didn't say she looks better than you. I said she looks better. And then they have this back and forth. And meanwhile, the door of the house that they're they're leaving is not even closed yet. Whoever they're talking about is probably still in oh, earshot. It's just so good. It's like it's just I just have a lot of appreciation for the decision to make this the line that this couple is discussing so as good. they leave. It's great. Also, um, he gets in the car and then says, Where are the keys? Did is yeah. Sunnydale the kind of town where people just leave their keys in the ignition? In the car? I know. What? <laughs> um, another another amazing moment. So so they all follow Buffy to the to the zoo. We're back at the hyena house, mm-hmm. um, soon to be referred to as the hyena hideout. We do know that in the song that you're about to hear, we don't call it the hyena house. It's because hyena hideout sounded better. So yes. deal with it. <laughs> but Giles. Um, Giles goes in and, you know, has this kind of aha moment where he's like, wait a minute, if the if this painting was on the floor already, then somebody must have. Oh, God. (laughs) But before he has this moment, he's calling for the zookeeper and he walks into (laughs) he walks into the empty like hyena house and he goes, Dr. B. And then he goes, zookeeper. I, I just love it so much. That's like really he doesn't funny. know his name, and he's just like trying to think of any title that this man would respond to. Ah, mm-hmm. uh, so okay. Do you have do you have things that you want to talk about before we get to the zookeeper uh, having the the hyena back in him? Because that's my next moment. No, I feel like that's really. I mean, Willow just lets him tie up her hands. I get that. I I I get that. So much is happening. She also doesn't blink at his face paint. Right. I mean, I feel like she's in, like, they're really in it. You know, they're like, mm. we have to do this. I mean, this is like a crazy thing that they're doing. Yeah. And I feel like she's I suspended. Guess don't stop to ask questions. Don't, right. When somebody's life is in danger. And that's why she's a great slayerette, because she doesn't oh, stop to ask the question, right? Because she's like in. She's like 100% committed. She has 100% mm-hmm. trust for Giles and Buffy. And she, <laughs> and she just like believes that like this is what's supposed to happen mm-hmm. because they're at the helm. Which is what makes her so wonderful. And also, like, you know, he she says when he puts, like, the knife to her throat, oh, right, there's this part where you have to... <laughs> do a predatory act. Do a predatory act. And he's like... <laughs> yeah. And so we have the big reveal here. Or not the big reveal, but we have this big moment here where... The hyena spirit is transferred back into, yes, you're already laughing at oh the moment in which he drops it. Thank, thank God he, he decided, like, thank God the hyena possesses him because then he's like, why would I use a knife? I'm a hyena. I'm going right, to right. instead eat Willow. And he drops the <laughs> knife and he roars and like stretches his mouth out towards her face. To bite, just bite into to her bite cheek, into her, I guess, which like should be disturbing, but just winds up hysterically funny. Um, and, and, you know, and then, and then everything goes back to the way it once was. Right. Well, we love to see that Xander's first action, his first instinct upon regaining his actual self is to protect Willow. Yes. That happens instantly. And we're all very satisfied. And that makes us feel better about Xander. Mm -hmm. And what a great death scene for the zookeeper Ah. pulling himself up on the on the enclosure bars very jurassic park yes it's so good yes and and there's a moment of seriousness even in this chaos where buffy you see buffy seeing him die Mm -hmm. and she's like definitely fucked up about it because i had a moment in the second viewing where i noticed it even more because i think that like there is something to the fact that buffy is witness to these incredibly violent graphic things. Witness and often the uh, purveyor or 
an actor or right like she like it's her hand that kind of like tosses it into motion she's regularly ending lives even though most of them are the uh, lives of the undead right but she's just so close i mean she's so close to death all the time right Mm -hmm. and i suppose they all are but buffy has this very unique relationship to it i think um and so again this this like sort of silly scene he falls over the bars but then they give us this moment with buffy that's like wow like this is a you know she's supposed to be what 16 17 yeah um which is a hard time to kind of wrap your head around life as it is let alone death let alone death and let alone being that close to it um so often so ah, this is why we love this show everyone so good we don't have to tell you you're all here because you love it too yeah (laughs) no we already talked about the troubling aspects of this closing scene Mm -hmm. but what we didn't talk about are um buffy's beanie oh my god (laughs) yeah kate kate where's your beanie commentary yeah also (laughs) shoot me stuff me mount me yeah xander says to giles that kind of misses the mark for me weird moment it's a weird i mean the whole i talked about it for a minute but like Giles comes out of nowhere. He hasn't even heard the conversation and he just jumps right he into it. He literally is just like, I heard I had a line coming yeah. up. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Um, wow. But yeah, this was a good... And, and you know, one other thing about this episode is that it really... Um, I think it also set the tone for this trio of Xander, Buffy, Willow. Mm. Very clearly, I skipped over that part, but there's a moment where... I mean, they... they they call it up a, a couple of times, right? Willow says up with Buffy, like, maybe there's not room for three of us. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then Xander kind of plays on it when he's locked up. And he right, says, right. you know, well, wasn't it better before she was here? It was right, just right. you and me. Um, and I think that's something that we're going to see come back again and again with this sort of, like, triangulation of mm-hmm, crushes mm-hmm. and feelings. Mm-hmm. and Yes. Yeah. What a delight. <laughs> I mean, all in all, ridiculous episode, but still had... Plenty for us to sink our teeth into. <laughs> that that closing will work for literally almost any episode. Yeah. <laughs> Jenny. Kristen. We almost forgot. Something very important. The Sexual Tension Awards. That is a great little I jingle. just wrote it just now myself. I think you're influencing me positively. That's Maybe so I'm the songwriter in the family. Maybe you are. Um, I have an award. I don't know if you have... Any thoughts? I've got um, some thoughts, but please. Okay, go for well, it. my um, where I would see it going this episode is to, <laughs> uh, I'm gonna call him male hyena number two, uh, and Xander because mm. so I, male hyena number one is the the one that's always in the front. He seems to like the brunette. Yeah, the brunette, and then the one with the sandier hair mm-hmm. uh, is hyena number two. Yes. Um, and or male hyena number two. And he has this moment right after they break the whole thing in the library that is now going to have to be rebuilt, that cage. Right, right. Xander gets released, and the and male hyena number two just sniffs him so sexually. Yes, it is sensuous. Yes, it's a moment of animalistic sexual tension to Xander and hyena number two. Jenny, what's you, what do you got? Well, I have two sexual tension awards for mm. this episode. Well, we can't give out three. I think we have to discuss and then vote. Mm. Here, between the two of us, we have to vote. <laughs> All right. Well, my two nominations mm-hmm. then are uh, a five-way sexual tension award between <laughs> all of the hyenas. Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> because there's a lot of, like, sleeping to get ugh, spooning in the dirt. Yeah, spooning in the so dirt. so much sniffing and prolonged dramatic eye contact Mm -hmm. yeah that's fair Mm -hmm. so there's a lot going on there Mm -hmm. and then my other nomination is giles and the zookeeper just when they're discussing Mm -hmm. the ritual that effectively uh enacted the transpossession right when when um buffy is like boys yes and has to break it up they're like "Mm, books right Mm, ritual so really, the sexual tension award there would actually be going to Giles, the zookeeper, and books. Yes, <laughs> books are part of that. I think. Triangle. I think like if we're gonna have a sexual tension meter, it has to go to the hyenas in some capacity. Yes, yes. As much as I would love for books to win, um, <laughs> I think I think it goes to the hyenas, and I'm comfortable. I'm comfortable letting it go to the pack of five. Yeah, yeah. They earned it. They did. They worked very hard. At that level of sexual tension. For sure. Okay. We did it. Glad we sorted that out. Uh, Well, thanks so much for for listening to us here today on this beautiful day. Mm -hmm. Um, 
we will be back next week with a mailbag episode. Yeah, so next week um, we'll be on the tail end of traveling, so we're going to have a mailbag episode. That'll be October 26th, and then we'll be back on November 2nd um, with episode 7. Angel. Oh, boy, that's the episode 7 I didn't even know. Yeah, yeah. Okay, I'm super very excited pumped, now. Super pumped about that. Any episode titled Angel has to signify that Angel is in it, which yeah. is good news. Great, Very good great, news. great, great. Oh, see you then. Actually, see you next week with the mailbag, but whatever. <laughs> see you for Angel. I'm Jenny Owen Youngs, and when I'm not making this podcast, I'm usually writing and recording songs. You can learn more about me and hear a playlist that I've curated just for you guys of some of those songs over at JennyOwenYoungs.com slash buffering. Or you can give me a shout on Twitter at JennyOwenYoungs. I'm Kristen Russo, and you can find my personal chatter and feminist rants over on Twitter at Kristen Nolene, K-R-I-S-T-I-N-N-O-E-L-I-N-E. Thank you, Mom, for that middle name. When I'm not podcasting, I work to bring advice, resources, and laughter to LGBTQ young people and their families over at everyoneisgay.com and mykidisgay.com. Buffering the Vampire Slayer is on Twitter at BufferingCast. And we're also on Facebook at facebook.com slash bufferingcast. If you like what we do, you can now support us by heading on over to bufferingthevampireslayer.com and clicking on the donate button. Till next time. Ow! Hey Buffy, heard there was a big mess in Sunnydale last week. Word has it there were zoo creatures and teenagers all mixed up. Do you know about it? Well I was hanging at the zoo on a field trip which didn't seem particularly age appropriate. These kids were being rude and I don't know why Sometimes I wish that it was cool to slay my own kind Oh no, oh no Well I watched them head to the hide Even though it's quarantine But the zookeeper, he really kept our style And wouldn't let us in to see you say? And bullies on the loose. Buffy, that sounds horrible. What happened next? Razorbacks have got a brand new mascot pig, but he'll be lucky if he makes it to ninth period. Xander's being mean to Willow, and that's not like him. And have I mentioned that Cordelia seems to be absent? Oh no. Oh no. Zookeeper was a real zoo creeper. I guess, like they say, it's the circle of life. By the way, I simply love that neckerchief. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine. Erstwhile monk turned traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world. That ours is not a loving God. And we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine. Coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available.